Ritchie here with you until 10 o'clock and the WGN-TV News Broadcast. The number here is 312-981-7200. Of course, you can call at any time. I'm going to be talking with a terrorism expert and professor of history at DePaul University, Thomas Bakaitis. And he's with us right now. I'm sure that you've seen uh, also on social media a lot of folks uh, talking about uh, outsiders and infiltrators mm-hmm. and people from other uh, places in the protests. And of course, you've written an article, uh, sir, that says, uh, don't rush to judgment about who mm-hmm. is behind the balance. How are you? Uh, I'm fine this evening, and I hope you and your audience are as well. Thanks so much for being with us. So, um, so mm-hmm. um, obviously, with uh, the discussion that's happening right now, um, and uh, even brought up in press conferences with uh, police and and also suburban sheriffs as well, and everything that's going on, um, you felt the need to write this article. So, would love mm-hmm. to have you uh, expound upon it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, that people have to understand it. What's going on here is is very complex and multifaceted. It's it's not a monolithic thing. At its very core is a legitimate, large-scale protest movement uh, by, you know, by a lot of people, not just people of color who feel victimized and rightfully so by the police in many American cities, but by many others who support them in a, in a desire to promote racial healing and social justice. Now, Anytime you have uh, protests and civil unrest on the scale we're seeing it, you're going to have a lot of opportunistic activity. That can range from uh, people coming in doing organized looters to people doing, for lack of a better term, disaster tourism. Oh, wow, let's go downstairs. Let's go downstairs from our apartment or into the city and watch all the all the mayhem. Um, you know, and but. That is not terrorism, um, and I think that's an important point. You know, is it possible that there are other nefarious elements taking advantage of the situation? Sure. Uh, until we get more information, though, we definitely should be reluctant to do that. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, looting and, 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 and violence in a riot situation is not terrorism. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's not objectionable, but it's certainly not terrorism. And, um, Professor, I mean, this is important because sort of the words that we use to describe what's mm-hmm. happening, it's um, it, it sort of uh, lasts a lot longer than and, and sort of gains a truth of its own, right? Absolutely right. It's also part of political posturing. I mean, there's a very bad habit of labeling things we don't like by whatever term happens to be fashionable at the time. I've been working on internal conflict for, for really for decades, and I remember this in the late 1990s, um, where everything was being called genocide. Every form of killing in the world was being, the term genocide was being thrown around. You know, terrorism is now, uh, you know, a term being used very loosely and very inappropriately for all kinds of violence. And, and the key to remember is there are a couple of elements to, re- to non-state terrorism, and that is, that um, there's an ideological motive, there's a desire to spread fear, um, and there's violent activity. Well, this, these, these people are not out sending any kind of message. Looters are not out to spread a political message or to, to instill fear. They're out to profit. Uh, or they're simply just expressing an undifferentiated kind of rage in some of the destruction. Um, that that just, just does not fit the definition. 
And of course, uh, this has been coming up because uh, we've been hearing about sort of outside agitators, and it's even mm-hmm. been brought up by different states' attorneys, including in uh, Minnesota as well. Um, in an interview, there was concern that perhaps there were, we talked to, uh, that there were outsiders coming in uh, to uh, to loot and to um, cause vandalism and property damage. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked to W.G. and radio's uh ryan burrow earlier um in the hour and he said that sort of they've backtracked on trying to figure out what exactly that percentage is to around 20 percent mm-hmm. but the truth is really nobody knows right no and they're not going to be able it's not easy to tell the only way you would be able to get a rough indicator is if you take a look at the people being arrested and you process them and you determine that I, you know, maybe a, a certain number appear to not be from the city. But, you know, what, what does it mean to be an outsider? And there was a man who showed up in, um, in Minneapolis and said, I'm here to express solidarity with the protesters. I'm angry, too. Technically, he's an outsider. Does that mean he's there with the purpose of causing trouble? I mean, Chicago is a vast metropolitan area. Anybody outside the city limits is an outsider of sorts. You know, it's it's strange to me that people didn't make it nearly as upset at the, quote, open Illinois rallies in which many of the people there appear to have been from somewhere else. Um, so anytime you have these kind of gatherings, you're going to attract people from all over. But that doesn't take away from what the core issue at the heart of all of this is. Um, and we shouldn't allow ourselves <clears throat> to get distracted from that or get caught up in the blame game. Um, you know, and of course, uh, we're not, uh, this is happening both uh, with people associated both on the extreme right and the left as well. Supposedly, mm-hmm. and we don't know that for sure. Yes, there have been there have been reports. I mean, this is how it's playing out. Okay, the mayors understandably have said, "Look, a certain amount of this trouble is coming in from the outside," and we know that's happened. It happened at Ferguson uh, in the in the protests after the shooting of Michael Brown. It, it does occur. On the other hand, you know, to say, well, there were white supremacists who were there being what, what in the field we would refer to as agents provocateur. In other words, people there trying to provoke a violent response that allows them to say, oh, see, here's the, here's the race war we were talking about, <clears throat> or to provoke a, a you know, response from the police. Um, but nobody has been able to document that. Um, there's a lot of Twitter activity. There's a fair amount of stuff going on on the Internet. But that doesn't mean that anyone has been able to show that these individuals have actually shown up. The same is true within, with the left. Antifa, contrary to what you know, the president said, is not a group. It's a very diffuse left uh, leftist, far leftist uh, ideological movement, you know, roughly equivalent, although probably much smaller, to the alt-right. There's a constellation of ideas, there's some anarchic elements, but generally speaking, they, they tend to show up and combat any, you know, any demonstrations of racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, uh, misogyny, and so on. Um, is it possible that some of those individuals were there? Sure. Is there any clear evidence of that so far? No. Talking with a terrorism expert and professor of history at DePaul University, and I have uh, kind of labeled you here as a terrorism expert. And of course, uh, Thomas, Professor Thomas Mikaitis is saying this this is not terrorism at work at all, despite whatever you may hear or see mm-hmm. on social media and your recent articles. Don't rush rush to judgment about who is behind the violence. And you say that's 
that rush to judgment is really what you want to hit home here in the sense mm-hmm. that that can be extraordinarily dangerous um, for society. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, I just published a book last year called Violent Extremists, in which I look at domestic and international terrorism. You know, when you, ta- I mean, you, you know, and, I, and I've argued for some time, you know, white supremacy much more closely fits the definition. Now, in the sense that there's an ideology, there is a target, it has inspired violence, uh, and so on, although I'm not persuaded that's what's going on here. Antifa, on the other hand, has the potential for that. I'm not, I'm not saying there isn't such a thing as leftist terrorism. There can be. So far, what they've done is shown up to counter what they see as expressions of hatred by the other side. Now, I, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but, for example, they showed up at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville mm-hmm. uh, in 2017 and got into some altercations. They got into confrontations with a you know misogynist group known as the Proud Boys out in Portland, Oregon, and in Manhattan. Um, and they've been you know they've been willing to get into scuffles and fights and so on. Um, but this is not typical of their pattern of of, of violence. So you know, I have to say, until I see some concrete evidence. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to accept that either white supremacists or Antifa activists uh, were involved in any of what's going on. I see a lot more opportunistic violence. Um, as the mayor said, some clear signs in Chicago of organized, you know, very well orchestrated looting. But, but, but that, again, is, is criminality. That is not that is not terrorism. Well, I think that's why it was so important to uh, have you on and so glad that you reached out to uh, producer Jasmine um, about mm-hmm. this, because um, there has been so much social media activity on both sides here of, mm-hmm. of this whole discussion. I wanted to pivot a little bit here just because um, you also are a historian, of course. Um, you're yeah. a professor of history at DePaul, um, but wanted to know, and you've written uh, about insurgencies as well, wanted to kind of ask you in terms of, um, do you feel that this this movement, the demonstrations, uh, that will this make a difference in a way that's, you know, different from the 1960s? Well, I mean, the 60s movements in the 1960s did make a difference. Yes, yes, I mean, it, it did. It, yes, yes. Yeah, there's no question. But I would argue this is the worst <clears throat> civil unrest we've seen in the United States since 1968. And, you know, whether it makes a difference in the long run really depends uh, on what what the society as a whole chooses to do. I mean, if it leads to genuine reform, if we have a take a good heart and painful look at policing, at social inequality, at, uh, you know, in a systemic racism that is deeply ingrained in American society, um, you know, then, then yeah, then the legacy of this could be quite positive. Um, there's no way to tell when you're in the middle of it. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it clearly could morph into some kind of a larger movement. So perhaps a definite uh, actual change in progress in terms of uh, moving the, the needlehead. Sure. Look what the Me Too movement has done. Mm-hmm. And that started with, with courageous women speaking out against what was winked at and nodded at for decades, which was, you know, sexual abuse at work and in various other environments. And, and look at look at the impact they've had. Look at the impact of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, there are plenty of examples of these things, and which is why I think so many of the activists here and the protesters have been very, very assertive in saying, we deplore the violence. We, this is not what this is about. 
um, please stop um, and, you know, uh, and, and re- express yourself some other way. In fact, Michael, or excuse me, um, George Floyd's brother said, you know, if you want to make a difference, vote. Mm-hmm. I think that was, you know, a very, very uh, insightful comment. Well, um, just love always getting a historian's uh, point of view, because I think historians have a different way of looking at the world because of their vast knowledge of, uh, you know, intimate knowledge of history. And and sometimes, uh, you know, when we don't know our own history, we tend to repeat it, right? (laughs) Well, at the very least, we could learn from it. And I think, you know, being a historian gives you a long view and it reminds us we've been through a lot worse. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we will get through this. I'm, I'm I'm always an optimist. The glass is always half full for me, and I, you know. Um, but these are these are dark times. There's no question. Well, I think uh, we will leave it on that. We will get through this because that was an optimistic and hopeful note. And thank you so much for being with us, DePaul University um, professor of history and also a terrorism expert, Thomas R. Makaitis. Thank you so much, Professor, for being You're with welcome. us. You're welcome. Have a nice evening. Yeah, you take care of yourself. Uh,